0: Hi, Joe Alton, MD here, also known as Dr. Bones of the survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net, co-author of the Book Excellence Award-winning fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook. Today, I'd like to talk about how a sense of community affects your chances of survival and your health in times of trouble. Sure, we've all seen programs that follow the adventures and misadventures of individuals in survival settings. Sometimes one or two rugged survivalists will even survive an off-grid challenge, even naked, for a period of time. Despite this, if you look at the results of extended time alone in the backcountry, you have to come away with the feeling that isolation, surprise, surprise, is a bad thing for human beings. Let's imagine that a monumental disaster has occurred and you have survived. The power grid's down it's unlikely to be up again for years. You, however, have prudently stored food, medical supplies, farming tools, and hunting equipment. You're a fine, young, reasonably intelligent, and physically fit person with no medical issues. And you're sitting safe alone in your shelter. Sounds like you figured out the formula for success, but you haven't. The problem is that one word, alone. Lone wolves are considered to be resourceful and tough, and they are for a while. Unfortunately, the lone wolf usually ends up a pretty miserable creature. Face it, wolves should be in the pack. When I talk about this topic, I always post a picture of an animal from Tasmania called a thylacine. It looks a little bit like a wolf, but it has stripes on its back, so you might know it as the Tasmanian wolf or the Tasmanian tiger. Despite the names, it's not related to either. It's actually related to the kangaroo. Why do I choose this animal to illustrate my point? Look at it and you'll see that it's not very impressive. Heck, it's not even a real wolf. The reason is simple, the Tasmanian wolf is extinct, and if you try to go it alone in a long-term disaster, you will be too. The most basic way to help assure your well-being is to have help. The support of a survival group, even if it's just your extended family, is essential if you are to have any hope of keeping it together when things fall apart. Off the grid, you're going to have many responsibilities. You'll have to stand watch over your property and supplies. You'll have to lug gallons of water from the nearest water source. You'll have to chop wood for fuel. You'll have to search for food. To get an idea of the situation, just fill a five-gallon bucket with water and carry it around the block. Piece of cake? Well, I'm impressed. Now chop some wood, but do it after staying up all night outside your house while watching for intruders to your vegetable garden. Maybe you can do this for a few days, but on a daily basis for an extended period, well, don't be so sure. Just do it for one day and you'll begin to understand what I mean. For most of us, it would be the very definition of a miserable existence. Okay Bones, what does this have to do with survival medicine? Well, it wouldn't take very long before your health would suffer. Exhausted and sleep deprived, you're going to be an easy target not only for marauding gangs of desperados, but marauding bacteria as well. Your immune system weakens when exposed to long-term stress, so you'll be at risk for succumbing to illnesses that a well-rested individual could easily weather. Division of labor and responsibility makes a difficult situation more manageable. How much easier would this all be if you had a group of like-minded individuals helping each other? It's not just a physical exertion. You can't possibly have all the skills needed to do well by yourself. For example, we're a physician and nurse practitioner team that graduated from the master gardener program for our state. We have a working food and medicinal garden, have ham radio technician's licenses, and we have even raised tilapia in ponds. You could say we have some skills, but we've never done any carpentry, we've never made our own shelters, or raised livestock. Neither have we ever been in charge of the security of others. There are those, however, who have done these things, but could possibly use some of the skills we possess. Put enough people together with differing skills and you have, even in the middle of a devastated city, a village. A village filled with people that can help each other in a crisis. A rugged individualist might be able to eke out a meager existence in the wilderness alone, but a society can only be rebuilt by a community. There's no time like the present to communicate network and put together a group of like-minded people. How many? Well, the right number for a mutual assistance group will depend on your retreat and your resources. If all these people have accumulated food, medical supplies and other essentials, well, you've got a pretty good start. The ideal group will have people with diverse skills, but similar philosophies. This is difficult to accomplish after a disaster has occurred. Before the you-know-what hits the fan, however, you can work to find like-minded folks that wouldn't argue every time something needs to get done. Identifying people who you can work with before a catastrophe hits pays dividends down the road. Unless you're already in such a community, you may feel that it's impossible to assemble a group like this. That's not the case. Whether online or in person, there are others who do think like you do. Start at your local place of worship, civic club, or similar group, and you will over time find them. It's not enough to just be in a group, however. The people in that group must have regular meetings, decide on priorities, and be ready to set things in motion. Devise a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C, and decide what trigger events would get them going. Keep lines of communication open so that all your group members stay informed. In normal times, it's easy to become complacent about this stuff, but during disasters, things can go downhill pretty fast. If your group isn't on the same page, especially about what to do if a trigger event occurred, Some of your members may not make it to, say, a backcountry retreat. This results in your community losing members with important skill sets. It just takes a road closure or two to block the success of a mutual assistance group. There's more that goes into a successful survival group than just being, well, a group. Consider a copy of Charlie Hogwood's Excellent Survival Group Handbook for good advice on how to put together a harmonious survival community. It'll help you succeed even if everything else fails. This is Joe Alden, MD, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health and good times or bad. Thanks for watching. Hey, our fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook won't teach you about successful group dynamics, but it will teach you how to deal with over 200 medical topics off the grid. And don't forget to get your family medically prepared with quality kits and individual supplies from our entire line at store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did.